God of grace and mercy and love, may only your words be spoken. May only your words be heard. Amen. There is a line in a beloved and favorite hymn of mine that causes me to stumble a little bit. The hymn, The Angel Gabriel from Heaven Came, tells the story of Mary's discovery that she is to be God-bearer to the world. But there's that line. Then gentle Mary meekly bowed her head. My problem? Well, Mary has never struck me as anything meek or mild. Even calling her a lady, as in most highly favored lady, seemed to me to be the writing of men. Taking this most radical and powerful of biblical women and domesticating her, making her palatable and non-threatening, to serve perhaps as an example to the women in their own lives who they wished would be a little bit more palatable and non-threatening. But as we all know, well-behaved women seldom make history. <coughs> and so I did some research and what I found is what I often find when I take the time to unpack my knee-jerk reactions. Turns out, meek and mild have nothing to do with being weak. It is, in fact, a showing of tremendous power. Meek and mild means she wasn't reactionary. She didn't yell back at Gabriel. And who would have really blamed her if she had? The angel just gave her the news that her hard and marginalized life was about to become harder and more marginalized. Instead, Mary took a deep breath. She sat with her God. She considered the task in front of her, and then she agreed to partner with God in God's work in the world, despite what it would mean for her own life. And if you wonder just a little bit, Mary, did you know? The answer is yeah, she did. She knew it all, and she said yes anyway. Mary didn't bargain, she didn't barter, she didn't pass on the offer or come up with a million excuses why she was the wrong candidate, like so many of the male prophets in scripture do. Turns out, Mary's meekness and mildness is an example for all of us, and perhaps especially for the men among us who are so often so quick to speak before we think. Those who listen only so they can figure out how they would like to respond, not to actually hear what the person is saying. Meek and mild is about strength 
inner control and a deep sense of who she is before God. But Mary's quiet demeanor does not last very long. It's true. In Luke, where the story of the Annunciation is told, Mary is visited by her cousin Elizabeth. I love to imagine this scene. I like to imagine Elizabeth comes in the house. Mary slowly closed the door, Elizabeth now inside. Mary closes the curtains, makes sure Joseph is out of earshot. They share a knowing look that breaks into a little grin that bursts forth into great laughter. And then, finally, in the safety of Elizabeth's company, Mary lets it rip, and out of her mouth pours the Magnificat, the song of Mary that we heard this morning. Mary says that God has shown God's strength in choosing her. God, God has scattered the proud in God's choice of this poor peasant girl. In choosing Mary, God has cast down the mighty, lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry with good things, and has sent the rich away. God has come to the help of God's people in Mary because, because God has remembered God's promise of mercy. God has remembered God's promise. And so has Mary. Meek, mild, powerful, and revolutionary. This scene inside between Mary and Elizabeth, it would make no sense to those who pass by on the streets outside of Mary's home. How could she possibly see this as God's triumph? How could she see her pregnancy as a bringing about of God's dream for the world and not a further punishment that would bring her nothing but grief and suffering? It would certainly put her further outside her community and make her the source of catty whispers in the public square and in the church for centuries. How could she react the way she did? Because she knew, because Mary's trust in God was rock solid. And it would be that faith in God, Mary's faith in God, that she would pass on to her son named Jesus. Later in Luke, when Jesus is called to read from the scroll in the synagogue, he chooses to read the passage from Isaiah that announces, quote, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Sound familiar? Like mother, like son. For six weeks now, as we have been observing our extended Advent here at St. Paul's, we have each week sung two verses from the Canticle of the Turning, which is a setting of the Magnificat. 
And though we have tried, as a church and a culture, to silence women's voices, to edit them, to make them less threatening, to doubt them, to make them less trustworthy, or to shame them, to make them seem less of God, Mary's song tells the truth. Mary's song puts the patriarchy on notice. Mary's song is the shot across the bow that the way things have always been are not the way they will be when God's work is done on this earth. Now her reaction might not make any more sense to our modern ears than they did to her neighbors. Her response might seem to us a bit foolish or even naive. Dorothy Day once said, quote, you should live your life in a way that wouldn't make any sense unless God exists. I wonder if perhaps she got that idea from Mary. None of what Mary proclaims makes any sense in her context or in ours unless God exists, in which case they make perfect sense. I want you to take a minute and I want you to imagine a young woman no older than 15 who chooses to believe enough in the hope she has for the world that she makes a choice to do something that no one around her understands. This young girl has been ostracized and told by the world around her that because of who she is, she will have nothing to offer the world. But this young girl turns all that upside down and uses the very things that she is told are her greatest liabilities to do the turning. Her incredible courage frightens the powers that be, and those powers come after her, because that's what challenging the status quo will get you. I'm talking, of course, about Greta Thunberg. Greta was just 15 years old when she started a school strike for climate change all by herself. Just her and a sign outside in the cold in front of her school. The image is quite something. So here she is, a girl of 15 with Asperger's syndrome, living in Sweden, who believes enough in the capacity of the world to turn itself upside down to save the climate that she behaves in a way that makes absolutely no sense unless we believe in the possibility of change as much as Greta does. And as for her Asperger's, her direct speech, ability to focus, and courage to move forward despite resistance are gifts Greta claims because of it. She writes, quote, I have Asperger's, and that means I'm sometimes a bit different from the norm. And given the right circumstances, being different is a superpower. 
It is, she says, her superpower. And what about her age? She's now just 16 years old. She has 3.6 million followers on Twitter and was just named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. So, my friends, we can no longer believe that age has anything to do with the ability to get things done or to turn the world upside down. What some would call her liabilities are, in fact, her greatest strengths, her superpowers, because she believes she can make a difference in this world. Mary's liabilities were her superpowers, too. For who else could have believed in God's promises of mercy more than someone whose life was completely and utterly dependent on them? What, I wonder, do you think are your greatest liabilities? Are you too young? Too old? Are you differently abled? Do you learn differently? Do you live with a mental health diagnosis? Are you exactly the kind of person the world would walk by if you were sitting outside by yourself with a sign proclaiming God's love for the world God has made? Are you just the kind of person the world would write off as undesirable, unhirable, unimportant. Maybe, I don't know, maybe if we live our lives in ways that don't make sense unless God exists, our courageous act of just living might just bring God's existence into view. Mary, maybe the very thing that we think stands in our way that makes us unfit, God knows, is our superpower. The first hymn of Christmas are words spoken by a poor, unmarried, pregnant, Middle Eastern teenager. And they are revolutionary. They are the words of the oppressed set free. They announce that through her, the world is about to change. It is about to turn. And they are the truth of what it is we proclaim when we say, Emmanuel, God with us. What hymn will you sing to tell the world the very same thing? Let us live our lives in ways that only make sense if God exists. My friends, it is time to be meek. It is time to be mild. And it is time to turn this world upside down. Amen.